Highland Falls, El Paso, Clarksville, Watertown, and from other important military capitals around the globe. Eye on Defense brings the top military and defense issues into focus. Eye on Defense is proudly sponsored by Big Sarge Pre-Owned TA-50 Emporium and The Last Hope Jewelry and Pawn. And now, citizens of Earth, brace yourselves for the next episode of Eye on Defense. Defense, 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 defense. All right, we're back, everybody. Episode 25 of the Eye on Defense podcast. Uh, just a reminder, we're on Twitter. Our handle is at defense underscore podcast. If you can possibly find the time, come check us out on Twitter. We try to tweet something, <clears throat> excuse me, at least once a day, something relevant. Um, but if you can't find the time, I understand you're busy. I'm busy. We're all busy. But if you do get a chance, go check us out. Uh, let's see. Episode 24, I wrote something down about the strikers. And we talked about strikers in Alaska. We know that the 11th Airborne Division is now in Alaska. The striker brigade that was up there, <clears throat> excuse me again, the strikers are going away. And I was trying to figure out how long the strikers have been up there. And I did some looking, and I knew it was less than 20 years, or I suspected it was less than 20 years. Um, there was a brigade up there called the 172nd. <clears throat> it's a revolving door of, I shouldn't say that, there's been a lot of units up there in Alaska. Uh, 6th Infantry Division was up there in the past. It was a light division. 172nd Infantry Brigade was up there um, on and off, I think. And uh, the 172nd Infantry Brigade was a striker brigade. It deployed to Iraq in 2005 um, from August to August, I think, in Iraq, one year in Iraq. So I suspect that they probably got strikers up there in 03. So here it is, 2022, 03, 19 years. So I'm not poking anyone in the eye, but the strikers didn't last 20 years up there for whatever reason, better or for worse. But I didn't think they'd been up there 20 years, and <clears throat> excuse me, and they hadn't. So, or at least I don't think they have, based on what I saw. So anyway, that was a due out. Um, another admin note: uh, somebody was listening to the podcast, and they told me that my voice goes up and down because I. Uh, move back and forth from the mic this is true uh so i'm working on it if you hear the voice go up and down and hopefully you don't have to adjust your volume too much but i'm working on it try to be a little more uh consistent all right so i talked about twitter um here it is it's 23 june just to keep track it's very hot it's a hot summer day it's hot out there right now uh, so keep cool if you're out there doing your fitness. Make sure you're drinking a lot of water, Gatorade, whatever. Plus, there's a lot of stuff going on in the news with the uh, the defense bill. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Uh, you know, they started looking at this thing uh, last week. And a great article. So I'm going to cover three things today. I'm going to cover the House Appropriations Committee. Not very much. I'm not going to geek out on it too much. I'm going to cover the latest Ukraine package, which was released today, I think. And the IVAS, which I tweeted about about three or four days ago. It's kind of a big deal. So I'm going to talk about the IVAS. So first, the House Appropriations Committee. There's a great article in Defense Daily from Matthew Beinart, B-E-I-N-A-R-T, uh, seven hours ago, 23 June. 
Defense Daily, the title of the article is House Armed Services Committee Advances $840 billion FY23 NDAA, uh, National Defense Authorization Act, with near unanimous vote. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you heard me right, $840 billion. Um, now, what the heck is in that thing? Well, I went to the House Appropriations Committee, and they talk about the defense budget. And real quick on the defense budget, in case you didn't know, which I didn't know until recently, the defense budget is broken down into sections. Um, I think they call them functions, sub-functions, sub-functions. And they are O&M, which is operations and maintenance, which is the cost of ground, sea, or air operations, equipment repair, maintenance of defense facilities, healthcare costs, administration. The next subfunction is military personnel, which is paying allowances, various benefits, including military retirement funds. The next one is procurement, which is acquisition of weapons and support systems, which is something we talk about on the show all the time. Then there's a research development test and evaluation, which is called RDTE which is basic research and develop of new weapons and equipment, which actually supports the procurement. And the last one is MILCON, military construction, which is facility maintenance and construction, just like it sounds. So there's one, two, three, four, five. So historically, historically, the most, uh, the subfunction that receives the most out of that, well, I think I might be screwing this up. There are three subfunctions, 51, 53, and 54. 51 is the Department of Defense. Uh, 53 is atomic energy, and 54 is defense-related activities. So 51, I think, is where most of the stuff goes. So of 51, the subfunctions are the ones that I just named. O&M, military personnel, procurement, RDT&E, and MILCON. And historically, the number one out of those that gets the most money is operations and maintenance at 41%. This is historical numbers. Military personnel at 24%, procurement at 19, RDT&E at 12, and then military construction at 2. I hope all those add up to 100. I didn't do the math, but I'm assuming they did. So what I want to talk about real quick, and this is, again, this is from the House Appropriations website. I'm going to talk about their defense budget, which we think is going to be $840 billion. And I'm going to talk about procurement only. And the recommendation of procurement, these are the top, what I think are the top stories, is uh, they want to spend $7.2 billion on 61 F-35 aircraft. They want to fund the request for B-21 Raider, I think it's a bomber procurement, $1.5 billion. Uh, fund the request for 15 KC-46 tankers, $2.7 billion. A lot of, uh, let's see what else. 5 KC-C-130J aircraft, $430.5 million. Uh, 5 MK, 5 MQ-9 Reaper air vehicles for the USMC, $98 million. So, some of that uh, Marine Corps Force Design 2030 is coming in action because they're getting these uh, Reaper air vehicles, five of them. Some Army stuff, 35H-64 Apache helicopters, $693 million. Uh, CH-53K helicopters, 12 of them for 
$1.86 billion. And kind of a story we did just a little while ago was a uh, $246 million for a total of nine aircraft from the SOCOM Armed Overwatch Program. So they looks like they're going to get their money. And then there's some stuff on ships. Um, $27.7 billion to procure eight Navy ships. Here's some more vehicle stuff uh, uh, for the Army. Uh, $120 million over the budget request for Army National Guard Humvee modernization. Funds requested 1,528 JLTV Joint Light Tactical Vehicle Trucks and Companion 1381 Trailers, $686 million. 1528 trucks and 1381 trailers for $686 million. Uh, funds request for 44 Abrams tanks to SEP V3, M1A2 SEP V3, tank variant $634 million. And then... Last one I'll talk about is provides $210 million above the request. So they're actually going to get $680 million for 48 sets of M109A6 powered and self-propelled howitzers, which we know is 155, and they have a, a support vehicle that goes with it. It's called the M992A2 Field Artillery Ammunition Support Vehicle. So... They're going to get 48 sets of that. So they come in a pair, the M109 and the M992. So there you go. That's kind of the big news. And there's some other stuff in there. I'm not going to go crazy with the rest of it. Nothing really jumps out. Oh, here we go. How about RDT&E? Uh, remember we talked about future vertical lift for the Army. Uh, they're going to get $1.1 billion to support Army future vertical lift, including design, prototyping, and risk reduction for the F. FARA, which is Future Attack Reconnaissance Aircraft, and the FLRAA, the FLARA, which is the Future Long Range Assault Aircraft, which we've talked about on the show before. And some more RDT&E, $849 million for continued development fielding of the Army's long-range hypersonic weapon, $404 million for the Army's mid-range missile capability, and $380 million for the Army's lower-tier air missile defense capability. So there you go. you got uh, long-range precision fires and air missile defense right there, two of the Army's priorities. And that's all I'm seeing. So the Army's priorities, which we know what they are, there's two right there, and then there's one with the uh, future vertical lift. So that's about all I'm seeing from the Army's from the Army side. That's all I'm really seeing. You know, the other stuff like the Apaches and the M1s, those are legacy systems that are getting funded. But anyway, I don't want to go crazy with that and geek out too much. But if you're into that stuff, there's all kinds of articles on it. So I thought I'd I thought I'd throw one in there myself. All right. Now while we're talking about Army budget stuff, uh, at least with the House anyway, again this uh, this article that I. I think I tweeted about it a couple of days ago. It's from Defense Daily, which, by the way, is a fantastic uh, defense website. Um, I think you can get like a free introductory account, and then after that, they're going to want you to start paying for it, I do believe. But it's really good, and if I had the money, I'd definitely get it. Um, again, this is from Matthew Beinart. The dude can write. Hopefully he doesn't get mad at us for uh, referring to a lot of his stories. But anyway, this is a story from him. And the title is House Appropriators. We've just been talking about cut $400 million for IVAS uh, procurement site production viability questions. And if you remember, we did a story on IVAS a few, 
episodes ago, quite a few. If you forgot, IVAS is the Army's integrated visual augmentation system. It's kind of a, <clears throat> excuse me, a, uh, it could be a night vision. It's got thermal in there. Um, you can pipe in, supposed to be able to be pipe in all kinds of stuff. Uh, target acquisition, you can use it for training uh, with uh synthetic training environment it's it's going to be a good thing if they can get it to work not sure the technology's there not sure the soldiers are digging it um but the headline is they've cut in four million because remember we just we just went over the uh, subfunctions and procurement is one of them and uh, so they cut 400 i don't know if they cut it they're going to hold on to it because um the army is going through what's called uh IOTNE, which is Initial Operational Test and Evaluation. So, right before the Army, when the Army uh, is ready to, has tested something and they're ready to, to procure it, um, they go in what's called LLIP, low rate initial production. In other words, they make a few of these things. I don't know how many they make, depending on the basis of issue, but they'll make some of them. Say they make, say they make 200 of them. We'll just use 200, easy math. Well, so they make 200 of them under LRIP, and they'll test them. And they won't test them like a, a developmental test, like in a lab or in a controlled setting. They need to test them operationally, which is the IOT&E, Operational Test and Evaluation. It means they put them in the field. They put them with soldiers. They put them in an environment where they're going to be used, the forest, the jungle, the desert. And they run them through their paces in an operational setting. And then if it does well enough... Um, during that test, then the army will give the go ahead to go ahead to full rate production. In other words, we'll build more of them. And it's kind of a, a check and a balance and a gate that the army's got to go through. And Congress, rightly so, says, hey, you know, you guys are going through IOTE now, which the army is. I think it ends in end of July for the IVAS. Um, you come back to us with the results of that test. And if it looks promising, if it looks good, maybe we'll give you the money you can keep going forward, which is fair. And the test is done. Remember, we talked about this before. Real quick, you have a concept, uh, how you want to fight in the future, and then you have somebody who writes a requirement for an IVAS or a night vision or whatever it is, in this case, the IVAS. So somebody writes a requirement for it. They hand it over to a material developer uh, from, you know, uh, product pro, program manager they get with industry in this case microsoft i do believe yep microsoft microsoft builds it and they start testing it. then they give it to a test community who's neutral and they test that uh, ivas in this case to the requirement that was written by somebody else so it's three independent agencies the requirements a material developer and a test community. And the test community answers to nobody but uh, Army uh, Test and Evaluation Command, ATEC. They report, I think, to the uh, Vice Chief of Staff of the Army. So they report to nobody but the top. So they're not under any pressure from, from the requirement writer or from the material developer. They can test fairly and without bias. And that's what's happening with the, the IVAS right now. So once they get done with that, Congress has told the army and i pulled it up 
And I'm going to read what Congress said. So Congress said this, uh, the integrated visual augmentation system, IVAST, remains a top priority for the Army, which we know that is one of, uh, one of the top efforts in the soldier lethality uh, priority. You know, there's six priorities. Number six is soldier lethality, and that's one of the main efforts, IVAS. Uh, PEO, Program Executive Officer Soldier, that's who is managing it, was scheduled to conduct IOT&E uh, the fourth quarter of FY21 to ultimately inform a full rate production decision, which I just told you. However, IOT&E was delayed until 2022 due to a variety of software and hardware concerns. They ran into some problems, so they had to postpone it a bit. So IOT&E is currently going on with a briefing that results expected in late July, so next month. Congress has appropriated over $1 billion, that's right, billion with a B, for IVAS procurement and has yet received production quality system. Further, the FY23 request includes an additional $4 million, $400 million for procurement of IVAS. With questions still outstanding regarding the production viability, of IVAS, the committee cannot recommend additional procurement funding until after a full review of the results of IOT&E. Again, initial operational test and evaluation. The committee directs that PEO soldier brief the House and Senate Appropriations Committee on the results of IOT&E as soon as practical. So, you know, for, I got to give credit where credit's due here. Uh, a lot of people give lawmakers a hard time, but in this case, it's pretty straightforward. There's no double talk. It's straight to the point. Uh, so whoever wrote this, they did a good job to me. Um, straight to the point. You're going through testing. Brief us after testing. See how it goes. If you're good to go, we'll open up the money for you. If you're not, then uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, I guess. So anyway, that's it for the IVAS. Uh, why is it important? It's important to... to to Ion Defense because if you listen to the podcast, uh, a lot of our stuff is uh, Army. Uh, it's our wheelhouse, so uh, we're definitely into the six priorities. We're definitely in the Army modernization strategy. <clears throat> What's wrong with me today? I'll learn how to talk one day. But anyway, so this is one of the signature efforts in Army modernization. It's running into problems, so we thought we'd bring it up. Uh, the article goes on to talk about, I'm clicking back to the article. Uh, let me find this. Something very interesting I saw in this article I want to tell you guys about. Stand by. So this is, I'm, I'm, it's not really, you got to really, the article is kind of confusing. It confuses me a bit um, because it's all numbers. You really got to be tracking the numbers. Uh, but I'll read it. It says the bill includes uh, $99 million for, Night vision devices procurement account, 350, 325 million decrease from the 420, <clears throat> 424 million in the budget. So that comes from the 4 million that they took from IVAS, basically. Um, but they did give a $75 million increase for the Army's en enhanced night vision goggles binocular, EMVGB. If you ever hear EMVGB, that's what they're talking about, which is a fantastic system. Uh, if you ever see the EMVGB, maybe I'll, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'll tweet a, a photograph of those things. EMVGB, fantastic system. It's kind of a, <clears throat> I call I2, I2, traditional night vision. I say traditional, legacy night vision. It's got like a white phosphor tube, so you don't see green, you see white. 
um, and then it has a embedded or a blended thermal. So you could see thermal and night and uh, I square. And I tell you what, it's an unbelievable. They're just they're just great. And high soldier um, soldiers like them. High soldier acceptance. And so, you know, this IVEST doesn't work out. This EMVGB will will satisfy in the meantime to me. And last thing I'll talk about the IVAS is the Army wants 7,000 of these things. Um, 7,000 IVAS headsets. Remember, the IVAS is for the Close Combat Force. And the Close Combat Force is also called the 100K Force. So everything's a math problem. One day I'll sit down and figure out where the hell 7,000 of IVASs will go to the CCF, Close Combat Force. But anyway, and I said I was done with the IVAS, but I'm not. One more thing. Uh, do you remember we talked about it in the story, you know, way back in May, that the Secretary of the Army doesn't agree with, you know, in fact, here's a quote. The Secretary of the Army, uh, her name is Christine Warmoth. Warmoth said, told the Senate Armed Services Committee early May that senior Army officials did not fully agree with the findings in the Pentagon Inspector General report that stated the Army did not define minimum user acceptance levels for the IVAS program and was risk potentially wasting $22 billion if the Army does not want a headset, want the new headset. And that's from Defense Daily, May 5th. So anyway, we I think we if you followed the podcast way back then, you know, two months ago, we talked about that in full. We probably went overboard on it. So kind of like what I'm doing now, I'm going overboard on it. But anyway, uh, so there's a lot of scrutiny on IVAS, uh, rightly so. And we'll just have to see what happens in August once they release the report in late July. So that is a due out to figure out what's going on with that one. All right. Last but not least... We're at 22 minutes, so we're going to be done in 30 minutes today. We're going to talk about the Ukraine package. I tweeted about this tonight. Everybody and their brothers tweeting about it. All of our tweets look exactly the same. Either I'm copying them or they're copying me, or there's only one way to tweet this thing. I think there's only one way to tweet it. Ah, I just noticed something. One of the tweets I saw from a defense magazine, it looks like they cut and pasted the tweet from the defense department release into their tweet. That's pretty clever. I got to pick up on that. I just noticed that. I'm not going to tell you which defense magazine did that. I'll let you figure it out if you want to go searching it. But anyway, I just noticed that. Excuse me. So this is a department defense release. Um, I put it on the, when I tweeted it, I put it, you can read it for yourself. I'll read it for you now if you want. It's 23 June, $450 million in additional security assistance for Ukraine. Uh, This came from the acting Pentagon Press Secretary, Todd, whatever his name is. Begins with a B. I won't go crazy with his name. Bottom line up front, $450 million to meet critical needs for Ukraine's fight. This is the 13th drawdown of equipment from DOD inventories for Ukraine since August 2021. <clears throat> Capabilities in this package include four high-mobility artillery rocket systems, which you know as HIMARS. Excuse me, I had to drink some water. 36,000 rounds of 105 ammunition, which 
you know, in all these packages, I haven't seen any 105 ammunition. I've only seen 155 ammunition and HIMARS ammo. I haven't seen 105. So there you go. 36,000 rounds of 105 ammunition, which we know is a kind of a light field artillery piece. Uh, usually in light units, airborne units, air assault units, light infantry units carry the 105 or use the 105. Pulled by a Humvee. Uh, so anyway, moving on. 18 tactical vehicles to tow the to tow 155 millimeter artillery. So they're sending, usually for a, to tow a 155, you need like a five ton, a bigger vehicle. So they're giving them 18 more five tons. I assume they're five tons. So I wonder why they're giving them, because every package before, they've usually, 18 is a magic number. We know 18 is the size of an artillery battalion. I mean, if you give them 18 howitzers, that's what you need to, to fill three three batteries, which is a company, three batteries of six p- field pieces, three times six is 18. And generally, not generally, always, whenever the United States has given 18 155s, 777s, they've always given 18 trucks. But in this latest package, they're only given 18 trucks. So either the trucks are breaking down and they can't fix them, the, the trucks are being destroyed. They're using trucks for other stuff. Who knows? And the five tons of utility vehicle. You can use it to do anything. Move troops in it, whatever. So anyway, they're giving them 18 more. 1,200 grenade launchers. We'll assume that they're 40 millimeter, which is the only thing the United States uses. So we'll assume they're M203s or maybe 320s. Who knows? We'll assume 203, I guess. 2,000 machine guns. Caliber is not mentioned. Uh, only a couple of choices, 50 caliber, which I don't think they'll give them. Or maybe they could, I don't know. So either 50 caliber M249 saw 5.56 millimeter or 7.62 M240B. I would say they're 5.56 millimeter M249. I don't know. I'm just guessing. And the only reason why I say that is because, you know, we got the next gen, um, next gen squad weapon automatic rifle. And if that comes online and everything goes the way it wants to go, they're going to have a hell of a lot of saws laying around. So be perfect to give to uh, Ukraine. 18 coastal and riverine patrol boats and spare parts and other equipment. And if you're keeping up, that's $6.1 billion since February 24th of uh, security packages. And that's it, man. 26 minutes, 42 seconds, 45 seconds. Hopefully I didn't drone on too much this, this episode. Uh, I'm going to get done. Yes, I think I've covered everything I wanted to cover. So anyway, I'm done. So follow us on Twitter, at uh, defense underscore podcast. Check us out on the, on, the, on the podcast whenever you want. Take us with you when you go hiking or running or driving to work, waiting at the airport, whatever. Uh, happy to have you. Uh, you know, come by when you want, tell your friends, you're always welcome. So I think that's it. 2720, we're definitely going to be the best defense commentary in 30 or 30 minutes or less today. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you in the next episode, which will be episode 26. So thank you very much and good night.